after the Philistines captured the Ark of God. Even that phrase in itself needs to be broken down. The idea that the bad guys can capture the Ark of God. They took it from the battleground at Ebenezer to the town of Ashdod. They carried the Ark of God into the temple of Dagon and placed it beside an idol of Dagon. When the citizens of Ashdod went to see it the next morning, Dagon had fallen on his face to the ground in front of the Ark of the Lord. So they took Dagon and put him in his place again. But the next morning, the same thing happened. Dagon had fallen face down before the Ark of the Lord. This time, somebody say this time. Now this time, his head and hands had broken off and were lying in the doorway. Only the trunk of his body was left intact. I just want to speak to you briefly on the subject matter, the Dagon dilemma. Subtext would be, you're in my space. And sex, the next subtext would be, two objects cannot occupy the same space. And the final subtext would be, when the prophetic stands next to the pathetic, the prophetic always wins. Because to a great degree, metaphorically speaking, prophetically speaking, we were living that moment right now. There are 21st century Philistines, and I'm talking about spiritual forces, that would love to capture what's glorious. First point, if you're taking any notes, and good luck with that right now, you are what you tolerate. You are, and we are what we tolerate. We cannot permit others to capture the glory. The Philistines captured the Ark of God. I can't just, that, that, again, that phrase to me, theologically speaking, if we exegetically extrapolate the passage in its original context, that's ludicrous. The Ark of God, of course, is God's treasure chest, represented God's presence, power, and promise. The Ark of God facilitated the glory of God. The glory of God is the manifest presence of God. Bible 101. Whatever heaven touched, the rod of Aaron, man of Ten Commandments. But the Philistines believed that if they would capture the ark, the glory, Israel's secret weapon, Israel would be defeated. They believed they took the glory hostage. They believed they took the power of God captive. They believed they placed a lid on the presence. They were soon to discover the following. You cannot incarcerate the glory. You can't imprison the power of God. What does that mean? Perception is not reality. It looked like the Philistines captured the glory. It looked like the mucho malo hombre were winning. But then something took place when they placed the glory of God right next to the statue of Dagon. I want you to hear me right now. There may be a battle. There is a battle in this nation across the world. Maybe a battle in your life to capture what is glorious. Psalm 84, 11, for the Lord God is our sun and our shield. He gives us grace and glory. Romans 8.30, and having chosen them, he called them to come to him. Having called them, he gave them right standing. And having given them right standing, he gave them his glory. This is why the enemy hates your guts. He doesn't hate you because of the color of your skin or your economic prowess. He hates you because you have God-ordained purpose. He hates you because you have destiny. The enemy hates you. And by the way, if you are born again, if Jesus is Lord and Savior of your life, I just read from Romans 8, you carry glory. The enemy of destiny seeks to capture the glory in your family, in your faith, and in your future. What does this mean? The enemy is not threatened by your past. He is threatened by your future. It's not about what you did. It's about what you're about to do. The enemy doesn't attack you because of the foolish things you did in your past. He is attacking you because of the glorious things you're about to see in your future. So it's, it's real simple. It looks like the 21st century Philistines are capturing what is glorious. 
The Philistines think that they really believe. And there's, there's a war out there, and it is a battle. And, and it looks like the Philistines are capturing every vestige that carries glory. But don't drink the Kool-Aid. We've been down this road before. Every single time that, that the obituary stood written regarding the expansion of Christianity, be it in America or globally, something happened. A great flip of the script, a pivot. For example, in the early 1900s, it was the beginning as an outcome of social Darwinism. There was an outcome, the outcome was an anarchist movement. The anarchist movement preceded the Bolshevik Revolution of 1917. So in the early 1900s, the idea of anarchy and chaos, de facto deconstruction of constructs and ideologies, and the institutions we hold near and dear, our Judeo-Christian value system was under assault in the early 1900s. And if you read the William Hurst and a little bit of yellow journalism exaggerating things, but if you read the periodicals of that time, you would hear that it was the end of Christianity. It, this is it. We're shifting. Darwin shifted everything, social Darwinism, anarchists, it, it's the end of everything. All of a sudden, in Los Angeles, a group of people, this African-American with a, a guy missing one eye and gets together with a Latino lady, a white lady, and an Asian man, and they got together in L.A., and they prayed in a place called the Souza, and, and all of a sudden, this movement emerged where the Spirit of God began to move out of Los Angeles and it hit the world. We've been down this road before in the 1960s. Read the periodicals. This nation was going to hell in a handbasket. 66, 67, 68, 69. Dr. King, Malcolm X, Robert Kennedy assassinated. Read the clippings. We're never going to make it. We're never going to make it. The next generation will be the least Christian generation in American history. We're never going to. All of a sudden, the Jesus movement took place. What am I telling you? I'm telling you, don't drink the Kool-Aid. It doesn't matter what you're watching on MSNBC, Fox, ABC, NBC, CBS, Univision, Telemundo. What am I telling you? We're about to see God show up like we've never seen him show up. I'm going to say that one more time. Hey, Gateway, get ready. God is not done with us yet. We are about to see an awakening like we've never seen before. Don't drink the Kool-Aid, man. It's the glory. I love this story. It's the glory. By the way, I have given them the glory you gave me so they may be one as we are one. John 17, 22. That glory is a glory that facilitates, that demands unity. I'm telling you, the Philistines will never win and capture the glory when we are one. And I'm going to say things that I hope, Pastor Robert, you invite me again. But, but I've reached, and I say this with great deference, I'm going to say it. Yesterday was my birthday, and, and, I, and I turned a milestone year, so it's my, yeah. So I turned 50 yesterday. And so because I turned 50, I, I'm gonna, and please forgive me, this is not coarse language, it's just California contextualization through nomenclatures and descriptors. I, I, I've reached the I don't give a holy hoot age, which means before I cared about what people said about me, now I care about who speaks into me. So this is politically incorrect, but right now, if we, if we really want to see if we want to push back on the attempts on behalf of forces, the Philistine forces trying to capture the glory in our faith and family and nation, if we want to push back, we have to be one. 
And, and that means the church to be one. I want to remind you, unity. Right now, we're, I'm, boy, I'm going to get in trouble. What, the church is not completely united in America. It is not. We have permitted politicians to divide where the Spirit of God unites. And, and we're permitting donkeys and elephants to divide uh -oh, what the Lamb and the Lion of the tribe of Judah reigns over. So I'm here to say that I am done with that. I'm going to remind you there is no such thing as a black church or a white church or a yellow church or a brown church. There's only one church, and it is the church of Jesus Christ. There's only one church, one church, one church, and the gates of hell will not, shall not, may not, cannot, no way, no how prevail against her. It's the church. We are the bride of Christ. So they, it's, are there any questions? So, so, I, it's the glory, and, and I need to, oh man, I'm going to illustrate this. Where, uh, George, this is George Hicks. He's my travel assistant, my buddy. He's an entrepreneur, one of the ministers in our church, and I'm going to illustrate this. So, for this illustration, you're Dagon, because I am going to be Dagon, buddy. I'm not just going, <laughs> it's not what I signed up for. So... You're Dagon, and I'm just going to show, because I, I know it's going to be weird. We have two strong guys. Where are they? My two, all right, guys, so I'm going so to show you what happened, just illustrate it. I'm going to be here. I represent for now the ark of God, the glory of God. All I want you to do is carry me and put me next to Dagon. <laughs> Don't drop the glory, baby. <laughs> uh-huh. To the right hand, other side, other side. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Nicely, nicely, don't drop the glory. Nice, all right, uh-huh, uh-huh. Let's do it again. <laughs> you ready? This time just take your time like, like, like a boss, baby, like a boss. <laughs> like a boss, there it is. Put me right, put me right next. Because they did that. I kid you not, I'm not making this up. They actually did this. This really happened. There was the Ark of the Covenant. And they carried the Ark of the Covenant and they placed it right next to the... But they, I, I think you missed it. So they didn't drag the Ark. They didn't pull the Ark on the floor and dragged it. They carried the Ark. Because even the enemies respect the glory. <laughs> did, did you get that? It, you, when you carry glory, you just, you shouldn't tolerate disrespect. You were, I mean, it, it, they carry the ark and they placed it right next to Dagon. This is crazy. The optics of this are amazing. This is what it looked like. That's Dagon, a statue of a false god. And they, and this is the ark. That's just two objects together. Two objects in the same temple. And two objects cannot occupy the same space. Something happened. Your past and your future cannot occupy the same space. Your dream and your nightmare cannot occupy the same space. The prophetic and the pathetic cannot occupy the same space. Truth and lies cannot occupy the same space. Hatred and love cannot occupy the same space. Sin and holiness cannot occupy the same space. Forgiveness and unforgiveness cannot occupy the same space. Grace and legalism cannot occupy the same space. Belief and doubt cannot occupy the same space. Faith and fear cannot occupy. Something has to go. 
Ephesians 4.31, get rid of all of that. All the bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, every, every single type of evil behavior, get rid of it. Ladies and gentlemen, right now, we look just like this. We have, we have a church full of the glory of Jesus, but we're standing next to things that, are, that literally are a counter-narrative to the truth, the grace, the love, and the hope embedded in the fullness of the vicarious atoning work of Jesus. We stand next to hype. We have the church full of truth, and we're standing right next to hype, hyperbole, hyper-tolerance, hyper-intolerance towards truth, hypersensitivity. We live in an age where everyone is easily offended. I am offended by people that are easily offended. <laughs> Everyone has a hashtag. And that, then we have something called hyper-victimization. Everyone is a victim. Everyone is a victim. You wake up in the morning, you're a victim. Everyone's a victim. It's perpetual victimization. And, when, and that stuff is creeping into the church. And, but, but I get it. We may be a victim for a day, even for a season. But hear me. In Christ, we can't be victims for a lifetime. In Christ, we're not victims. We are more than conquerors through Christ our Lord. That's the promise. So we stand, we stand, next to, we stand next to relativism. And we stand next to a deconstruction agenda committed to the complete unraveling of our Judeo-Christian value system. The foundational premise of modern society, including the concept of equality in life. We, boy, we stand next to that. Oh, Señor, ayúdalo, Padre, en nombre de Jesús. We stand next to some stuff. What are we going to do as a church? What are we going to do? Are we going to become an echo chamber of mutual affirmation? Are we going to become a kumbaya society? And, I, and I'm not speaking out of hatred or coarseness or, or anger with, with complete love. But man, we're, we're, we're to a great degree, we're acquiescing, we're, we're bending over backwards, we're, we're drinking the Kool-Aid, we're sacrificing truth on the altar of political expediency because we're so afraid of losing followers and, and, and we're so afraid of being persecuted. And meanwhile, there's a generation going to hell. Ladies and gentlemen, we need to raise our voices with truth and love and we need to get people on stages and platforms on Sunday morning. And I, I'm tired of hearing I think and I hope and I'm inclined to believe and I feel we need men and women who are full of God's Holy Spirit who would dare to get up on Sunday morning and say this is what the Lord says this is the word of the Lord so we, we need that and we, we need to hear what God is saying about marriage and raising kids and the family and the suffering and human sexuality in heaven and hell we need that we stand next to lies we stand next to things that are not true. And John 8, 32, you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Truth sets people free. Truth sets people free. Truth sets people free. So I live in California. You know, this is, that's not Texas, sunshine. I live in California. You have no idea what I go through because I'm committed to the love of Jesus and the truth of Jesus. But I'm in California, otherwise known as Cuckoo for Cocoa Puff State. <laughs> I live there, but I, I, we see our church exploding. It's a multi-ethnic church. It's 40% white, 40% black, 20% confused. It's an amazing church. 
and, and we have five campuses by the grace of God, and we're growing. Why are we growing? Because we're preaching the truth. And every single Sunday, we don't acquiesce to political correctness. We look at the crowd, and we remind them there's only one way to be saved. There's not five ways or four ways or three ways. There's only one God and one way to be saved, and that way happens to have a name, and it's not just any name. It is the name above every other name. It is the name to whom which every knee shall bow and every tongue confess. It is the name of the King of kings and the Lord of lords and the host of hosts and the Prince of peace. It is the name of the Messiah, the conqueror, the Son of man, the Son of God, the way, the truth, and the life, the resurrection, and the life. It is the most powerful name in all of the universe, the name of Jesus Christ. If you believe in that name, give them just a praise right now. Lift up that name. There is still power in that name, Gateway. That name will change America. That name can change the world. That name can save a generation. But it requires us. It requires us. Oh, boy. It's, they, they placed them right next to, they, this is what, it looked like this. And then something happened. This should be a movie. They, the next morning, oh, the next morning, when the citizens of Ashdod went to see it the next morning, Dagon had fallen with his face to the ground in front of the ark of the Lord. They found the false god, the lie, the idol on the ground. While the holy, the clean, and the consecrated, God's glory and presence still standing. I don't know if you're getting this, but you will. So I want to speak to you. If you find yourself standing next to that day gone, that, that problem, that rebellion, that failure, that pain, that fear, that despair, the anxiety, the very thing that is occupying your space, I'm telling you it's a bit different. I'm going to tell you what the Holy Spirit told me to tell you, and I say that with fear and trembling, with, with a firm commitment to biblical orthodoxy, the centrality of Christ. I'm going to tell you what God gave me. Whatever is occupying your space, in Jesus' name, you're in this conference tonight to hear this. That day gone in your family, that day gone in your mind, in your ministry, that day gone occupying your space, <laughs> I need you to get ready. Because that thing is about to fall in the name of Jesus. If you believe that, raise one hand. If you need Dagon's in your family to fall, raise one hand. If you need Dagon's in your ministry to fall, raise the other hand. If by the time you get home, you need to see every Dagon on the ground, raise both hands and a foot. If you need some Dagon's occupying the space of your children or your children's children to be on the ground, I need you to put a smile on your face and come in agreement with me that in the name of Jesus, the glory of God is about to show up and every lie of the enemy is about to fall. Every lie of the enemy, every work of hell, every devil, demon, legion, principality, power of darkness, and every construct of darkness will bow in the presence of truth and grace. This happens. It's coming down. So I said, and now we, we all, it's, I don't know how to do this. This would be awkward. W were you willing to fall? 
because I just want to illustrate it, but I don't want it to be. So did we sign like a, like a waiver or something? So I need you to follow the way the Bible says, because the Dagon didn't fall backwards or to the side. The Hebrew exegete of the passage says that he falls in front of. It's the same verbiage that appears in the psalmist when the psalmist described worship motifs. So Dagon falls in front of the ark. So I, I, I need you to, because it's coming, do you follow me? Because we're going to, yeah. So there's, are there any questions? So there's this, so there's this, this message all, because, okay. So there was... I just lived this, I just lived this. Let me tell you why this is not just a sermon. I lived it. And how many saw the movie Breakthrough? Raise your hand. The movie Breakthrough. You saw it? Raise your hand. The movie Breakthrough. Wow, that's a lot. Of those of you that did not see it, repent. The fact of the matter is that the, the movie Breakthrough, by the grace of God, if you know the story, I serve as executive producer. So God gave me the idea to make it into a movie. So I was coming here out of Dallas at a conference, leaving Dallas in January of 2015. I'm, I'm on the American Airlines flight back to Sacramento, and I see of, of just this report from St. Louis Dispatch, which would be random. Why am I, like, getting a, a, you know, a link to St. Louis Dispatch? And it said that this boy had drowned for 15 minutes. It said, mother prays loudly. Boy dies for 15 minutes. Boy comes back to life. But then I went deep into the report. So I, I read it. I just said, mom prayed, boy dies, boy comes back to life. St. Louis Dispatch. So Sunday I preach about it. I get on my television program that week and I start preaching about it. And, and then when I start preaching about it a bit, I get a DM on Facebook from the mom of the story. Respectful woman, great woman. And, and I'm going to paraphrase here because she said, like, Pastor Sam, love you. have been following your ministry, except in a de facto way you're shortchanging me. Give me a call. So I give her a call, we talk, she tells me, Pastor Sam, follow your ministry, love you, you're great. Hey, by the way, stop saying my son died for 15 minutes. And I go like, I didn't get it wrong. She went, yes. Oh, I'm sorry, how many minutes was it? It's up over an hour. And I went, whoa. My Lehigh University linear sequential mathematical probability quasi-doubting mind kicked in. So I went like, can you verify that? She went, oh, my kid was dead for over an hour. I go, what do you mean? 15 minutes underwater. They took him out. They tried to resuscitate him. He was completely dead for 45 minutes, post facto, a little bit over that. He was completely brain dead, heart dead, completely physically dead for over an hour. And I went, man, can you verify that? She went, absolutely. So all of a sudden, I'm going, whoa. And that's when the Spirit of God told me, you're making this into a movie. So I, I said, this is crazy. So I said, ma'am, what really happened? I went in there and I started to, because this is the only medically verifiable resurrection story, do your Google due diligence in modern history, that's completely verifiable by the medical community. So look it up. So all of, so 20th Century Fox, this is not through a, I'm, I'm tired of giving you like secondhand information. Joyce, can you come out here? Here's the mom. Hey, hey, So, your son, so it's John Smith, and he goes underneath, and he's under the lake for 50 minutes. He comes out. It's a frozen lake outside the outskirts of St. Louis, Missouri, in the month of January. The lake is thawing out. They're not privy to it. He's playing with his friends. He goes under, and 
and how is this t- uh, connected to the message? We'll get there in a second. But your boy's under, and, and they pull him out, and then 45 more minutes, he's dead over an hour. So you stood next to your Dagon. Yes. And, and tell him the story, please. Tell him the story. Get a call that no parent ever wants, that he just pulled your son out of the lake and he doesn't have a heartbeat, and can you come to the hospital? And they were getting ready to call time of death. In fact, there was a young man that was sitting next to my son who was going to fill out the death certificate. He was asking him questions. You don't fill out a death certificate for someone that isn't dead. And so the doctor told me that I could go up and speak to him. And so I walked up to him, and I knew when I saw him that I had to do something. Times were desperate. It was time to get in touch with God. And it had been three weeks that we'd been studying Beth Moore's Bible study, Believing God. And we would learn to speak life. And that life was, I believe God is who he says he is. I can do what God, God can do, so what he says he can do. And I'm believing God. And it was time to put that into practice. And so I had heard this my whole entire life. The Holy Spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead. I thought to myself, God, you're either who you say you are or you're not. And I've always seen you to be who you say you are. So I reached down and I got a hold of his feet. Now, he's been dead for over an hour now. Yes, he's been dead for over an hour. And I got a hold of his feet and I said, Holy Spirit. I said this so loud. Now, now stop for a second. (laughs) The reporter said. Yes. Because I can't even visualize you doing this. I'm going to be honest. The, The article said, Mom prays as such a loud volume, so loudly that, gee, he didn't say emergency room. He said everyone in the emergency floor heard her prayer. Woman, you yelled. Yes, I was yelling at God. I wanted to make sure he heard me. (laughs) (laughs) And I said, Holy Spirit, please come back and bring my son back to me. And the nurse, the charge nurse that day said, that when I prayed that prayer, something so powerful moved up her body that was pushing her and the gentleman that was doing CPR away from the table. So the nurse, they're doing CPR. So not five minutes later, not four minutes later, not three minutes later, not two minutes later, not even one minute later. No. The moment you said, Holy Spirit, bring my son back to life, exclamation point, because you were yelling, so it's not even a period. Right. It's an exclamation point. The moment the exclamation point popped up, the machines in that room turned on right there at that very moment. Yes. I mean, mm-hmm. I want you to put this in perspective. And then there was, there was hands on the body, and what happened? The, it was pushing them back, and all of a sudden, the machines start going off, and the nurse, charge nurse, goes, I have a heartbeat, I have a heartbeat. She was so stunned. For 27 minutes, she had had nothing. At any time, God could have jumped started my son's heart, but it was like he had everyone there that were professionals in the room and he said, when you guys get finished, step back and see what I can do. What? Are you getting this? Ladies and gentlemen, sometimes you got to lift up your hands and raise your volume and declare that there is power in the name of Jesus. There may come an occasion for the sake of your children and your children's children that you have to break out of your comfort zone. You may have to raise your volume, raise your voice. Not just this voice, but the voice of your testimony, the voice of your faith, and declare that there is power in the name of Jesus. By the way, the same God that did it for her will do it for you and your children and your children's children. Stand with me. You are standing. Stand with me right now. 
that volume, that voice. You didn't, you could have acquiesced to the Dagon in the room, in the circumstance, but you didn't. Why didn't you? Because it's outrageous. My God's all powerful and he can still do it. He still raises from the dead. So, so to everyone who doesn't believe in miracles, cameraman, give us a tight shot. To anyone who doesn't believe in miracles, to you who are skeptical and doubting, and God forbid that you preach against miracles. Yeah, explain this, sunshine. <laughs> Amen. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, there is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. So watch this. Pastor Jace, anything. That's the pastor. Anything. Just say something. From, from there, he was still brain dead. And we were holding on to the miracle. Sometimes you got to just hold on. No matter what you see, no matter what you feel. We walked in, we prayed over him. He walked out of the hospital 16 days later, completely healed, clear by all doctors 40 days after that. You got to hold on to your miracle. So hold on. So, 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 so right now, I mean, brain dead, physically, scientifically speaking. There was so, no hope. No, 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 but there has to be an issue. Because scientifically, you can't be brain dead for an hour. Well, so uh, is, he, is, he, is, he, is he in a wheelchair, respectfully? Not one issue. He must have a limp something. Not one limp. Tell me he has a twitch for crying out loud. He's 19 years old. And What's he, he doing right now? Completely getting ready to go to Bible. He's going to Bible college to be a pastor. I want you to get ready. Because whatever Dagon is standing next to you, next to your family, next to your faith, next to your future, next to whatever Dagon is in your space, it is coming down in the name of Jesus. I'm telling you, it's coming down in the name of Jesus. It's coming down in Jesus' name. We're going to do this. Oh, oh, by a little footnote as you stand. I'm a little, you guys are not privy to the well, Let me give you some news. So I got noticed yesterday. The movie... The movie was not produced. Holy Spirit told me to make it into a movie. And, and, and Pastor Robert, the warfare that, I know some of y'all don't believe in warfare. Good luck with that. Um, true story, right before the movie came out, I'm gonna be real and transparent. I, you can, it's March 15th, the movie came out in April, first two weeks. My wife, Christine, helped all her life. All of a sudden, two weeks before the movie comes out, bam. My baby girl, my baby girl who I absolutely adore, uh, she, she suffers an assault. And I'm going to God, God, why didn't you sign up for this? Right before the movie came out. And all of a sudden, God hit me and he supernaturally showed me something truly amazing. And as a math guy, I'm a faith and science guy, the probability of it happening by happenstance is like towards infinity and beyond. So God showed up, and, and this is going to sound old school, please forgive me, but one of the things that I did, I walked out of there, and I started declaring the covering that my family, I, the, the Lord told me, Samuel, I'm going to tell you how you're going to overcome. You don't overcome with your postings, you don't overcome with your preachings, you don't overcome with your selfies or your sermons. I want to remind you that you and your family will overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony. Amen. How many believe there's still power in the name of Jesus? And how many believe there's power in the blood of Jesus? How many believe that? 
And the moment I reconnected to that biblical truth, we experienced breakthrough. We experienced breakthrough. George, do you mind doing this? It's going to look a little bit silly, but just as an illustration, do you mind? I'll, I'll give you a pay grade. Give up your pay grade. All I want you to do is fall. Do a push-up. Do something, man. I want you to fall. But as an illustration, I am believing that whatever's occupying this space, and I'm even believing that by the time you get home, all the Dagons will be on the ground. Are you with me? How many believe that with me? So when I count to three, I want you to get ready. Let me declare you're about to break in and occupy every area hell has fought to keep you out of. Let me repeat that. You're about to break in and occupy every single area hell has fought to keep you out of. You're about to break out of every single negative precarious circumstance. And Dagon fell. Ready? I'm going to count to three. It's going to look awkward. But we're going to get a breakthrough. I'm believing it in Jesus' name. Watch. I lived it. We experienced it. By the way, 20th Century Fox had a Christian studio. 20th Century Fox bought out by Disney. They just, re they just reported the following. Put the, put the quote up there if you can. Read that. Of the first few Fox films that Disney tasked, only one was profitable. Breakthrough. No, you miss it. It's the first time a secular movie studio does a movie about the power of the Holy Spirit and is the only profitable movie this entire year. You can never lose when you're exalting the name of Jesus and lifting up the power of God. So when I count the three, man, all I want you to do is come down and I'm believing that every single person here will experience their breakthrough. Their day gone will come down. Are you ready? Believe this with me. It's not antics. It's not hype. It's not like a super illustration. Come in agreement with me that whatever's occupying your space, it's coming down. And by the way, it's coming down. No one's going to be able to pick it up. It's going to be the second time. It's never going to be able to pick up. Nothing in your past can deter you. Nothing in your future can stand in your way. This is your breakthrough hour. One, two, three, go in Jesus' name. Someone give Jesus a shout of praise in this place. It's your breakthrough. It's your breakthrough. And in the break for your family, for your nation, for your faith, for your ministry, believe with me that this is your breakthrough. In Jesus' name, lift up your hands. Let me pray over you. Let me pray over you. Heavenly Father, Lord, on, on occasion, we find ourselves occupying the same space with the very things that speak a counter-narrative to the purpose and the passion that you have laid out for our corresponding lives. Lord, we believe you right now, metaphorically, prophetically speaking, this illustration, this biblical narrative speaks to the fact that on occasion, we will be in the same space with constructs, ideologies, entities that do not line up with your purpose. So Lord, just like the Ark of the Covenant, the glory of God, we are believing that everything that occupies our space will be defeated. No weapon formed against us will prosper. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. If God be for us, who can be against us? So today we believe it comes down defeated. And after this conference, not only will things be restored, but just like the Ark of the Covenant was brought back into the hands of the Israelites, even with greater riches, with gold, something, something new, something greater. We are believing in Jesus' name that the latter glory will be greater than the former. And we are believing for restoration of all things lost. In the name of Jesus, if you believe that, raise your right hand. Let me believe that for you and come in agreement with you and declare the following. 
You're going, you're going to experience your breakthrough. Your Dagons are coming down. And your children will not inherit your sins. Your children will inherit your blessings. And you're about to see the glory of God in you, with you, and through you like never before. If you believe it, give God one shout of praise in this place. God bless you. God keep you.